warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, everybody. A happy new year to all our listeners out there. This is sounding really bizarre, me saying this because it's December. What, what's the date, chaps? December the 13th oh. or something stupid, isn't it? What is it? 12th today. 12th. <laughs> I wish everybody a happy new year. This is the whole point of this episode. Happy New Year! Lockdown's <laughs> over. We're back to normal. <laughs> Jokes. Okay. Actually, by the time this goes out, lockdown's back on back in force, isn't it? Because it's only up to the twenty eighth or something. Um, well, that's it. We're seeing we're now back in national lockdown, aren't we? <laughs> and the army is on the streets. Is that what it is? There's just chaos, chaos abounding everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the government's collapsed. <laughs> and the Russians <laughs> are here because of Brexit. Surely you've got to be a functioning government in the first place to collapse, haven't you? But well, no, it's all Russians now. Is We've it? been taken over. It yeah. happened on Christmas Day, didn't it? <laughs> the Christmas well, Day yeah, revolution. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nostradamus over there predicting exactly what's going to be happening in the next fortnight. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all a bit bizarre, ladies and gents, because we've got four or five episodes already recorded. Um, the last episode, hopefully, you would have heard would have been our Christmas one, which was The Amazing Mr. Blunden. This one is possibly one of the very few movies that any of us could find, and thanks to Stephen for actually remembering this, that it actually has got some connection to New Year. We're really struggling, aren't we, for New Year's movies? There's not a lot. I'll say, I think Party Party that you did for is possibly New Year-related, but yeah. it's, um, it's not heavily emphasised. Um, and then otherwise, I think... There's one of the um, one of the love actuallys or something like that is is set around Christmas and New Year, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> we may have to <laughs> eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you start hearing the sound of a barrel being scraped, you'll know it's on its way. Um, <laughs> it might just be me and you, Tony, for that one. Mate. Uh, otherwise, yeah, the, the thin on the ground, surprisingly, uh, and uh, British New Year films. Um, we, we're finding this, aren't we? Apart from Christmas, the holiday-themed movie is not something that we've embraced as a nation. No. Compared to Hollywood. Um, I was about to say, we're not Americans, are we? We're real people. <laughs> and, and even the Christmas ones, you're, you're mostly, it's uh, reinterpretations of Scrooge, uh, yes. Christmas Carol, or um, it's the more recent sort of sky Christmas film that's oh. like about some kind of school pantomime or something other that um, yeah. is, is brain dead. I so, watched, I'll tell you what I did watch, that latest one from last year, or the year before, was called Last Christmas. With, all right. With the Wolf, 
Game of Thrones, Amelia, something or other, the British. It was very, very twee. It was just cloyingly seasonal. That's that's one way of describing it. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It was okay. It was nice to see a, a brand new Christmas movie, you know, because I don't know about you guys. Do you end up watching the same Christmas and New, new Year movies around this sort of time? Do you, do you end up having your favourites that you could go back to? Yeah, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. I watched Lethal um, Weapon last night. Um Obviously, Muppets Christmas Carol, which oh, yes. we will get to at one point on on here. Oh yeah, we've we've said um, that's that's British. We, we're we're claiming that one. Yeah, it's got Michael Caine in it. Mm. I mean, and now there's missing scenes um, that have been released or are going to be released. Is there? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I got told this the other day that there's um, a missing scene yeah. uh, song and and scene that they decided to check out because they felt felt it might sort of be a bit too dark. Yeah. Um, on the turn, so they took it out, and apparently they found it again. It's getting released this Christmas. It's going to be shown on the Disney streaming oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. But imagine by next year it'll be available on the um, Blu-ray or whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, on Blu-ray and and via Russian friends. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, anyway, you know, once they've taken over our government, we can have access to their televisions. Um, so yes, so there's a new bit of Muppets Christmas Carol in the offing, um, which is always nice. In that so, case, but other than that, um, I don't know what else Christmas. I mean, I do like the Bill Murray Scrooged, um, yeah. and I do uh, do watch Nightmare Before Christmas as well. You know, between Halloween and, and, and Christmas, but otherwise, never uh, been a real fan of that one. No. Uh, but otherwise, mm. Christmas isn't. I mean, I don't like Christmas anyway, to be fair. So, <laughs> you got any working in retail, it's not really helpful. No, gave that up a long time ago. Yes, it ruins Christmas for everybody involved, unfortunately. Tony, what about you, mate? You got any favourite Christmas movies? I know we're talking about New Year now and it's all over and done with, but I, I could actually word this and say, Tony, what did you watch over Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing. I hate films. Um, Here we go. I hang hate on a TV. second. Uh, I'll just sit there in the darkness at Christmas. Um, maybe a candle. Okay. That's about it. And if it's really dark, you light it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, mm. but obviously I've got to think of the expense involved there, the match, <laughs> and obviously the candle needs replacing. Um, no, standard, really. It's, you know, carry-ons. Watched carry-on last night. Oh, um, what did you watch, mate? Carry-on camping. Excellent. We'll um, talk about that in, in, a in homage to um, yeah. Barbara Williams, who died a few weeks ago. Well, yes, a couple of days in in reality for Shh, us. I was going to mention. Don't, don't it. spoil the illusion. <laughs> we can't. We can't. You know, go any further without mentioning this because you know this happened a couple of days ago in reality. Yeah. Um, not totally unexpected. The, the old girl was eighty four, and you know, not very well, unfortunately. But what a what a choker! What a what a great loss. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, and you know, yes, absolutely known for the carry-ons where she was a stalwart of, of those films, um, and for some people, the the stuff that she did in in soap operas, um, yeah. but um, not to forget the the fact that she did have a, a career out in films um, outside of the carry-ons as well, which produced yeah. um, a number of performances actually that were were credible as well. So, but um, yes, a sad loss indeed. Yeah, I mean. Tony, do you, you you're a massive Carry On fan, and, and the people that are in the Carry On films, we know that for a fact. I mean, so you deliberately stuck Carry On camping on as a, as you say, an homage to the great lady, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I put it on last night. It just seemed like the right thing to do. 
you know, just put it on, watch her best work, I thought, carry-ons. He's the classic for her. Um, In future episode, not that far away, actually, Stephen, because it's part of our inclusion in the kitchen sink dramas. We've got Sparrows Can't Sing coming up early in the new year, uh, which I'm not too sure if you've seen, but... Yeah, that's one of the ones that was in my mind. Yeah, so we'll be covering that, and that may be one that Tony can jump in as well. Give give you some idea, Tony, of the non-carry-on stuff that she did. Um, Mm. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant film. It's it's been a pig of a year, as usual, hasn't it, for for losing our British stars? Sadly, yeah. We've had some big ones, Mr Connery being the prime one, I think. Yeah. It's been tragic, really. I mean, unfortunately, I suppose it's just getting to that, that... time now where a lot of these stars age-wise they're coming to the end of natural lifespans anyway even without having illnesses like um had. yeah it's, it's quite sad and I, I realized as well which i didn't mention when we spoke about sean connery when he sadly passed away recently goldfinger right which is our next james bond movie and we'll be reviewing in the new year because we're going to do a bit of a tribute to Sean Connery in the new year. And Goldfinger, we're going to be, be choosing as one of the movies. Do you realise that as well as Sean Connery, Honor Blackman died this year, who was in Goldfinger. Margaret Nolan was in Goldfinger. And Tanya Mallet, who played Tilly Masterson, four of the stars of Goldfinger died in the last 12 months. Spooky. Mm-hmm. All I can say is I'm glad I wasn't an extra. <laughs> let's try and cheer this up a bit lads it's, it's, it's a comedy it's Peter's Friends from 1992 featuring some of the faces that were pretty much everywhere back in 1992 before we start Tony what year were you born? 94 two years after this so it's still pre-Tony's birth this one um, in my mind but- Mm. It's everything I remember of the 90s. Okay. How everyone dressed and how everything looked. Okay, because in my mind and possibly in Stevens, this is still classed as a fairly new movie <laughs> compared to some of the stuff we've reviewed previously. But for you, this is a golden classic. Yeah, it's 28 <laughs> years old. Oh, it's, old my it's, word. it's older than you. That's what we're going to have to remember during our review. Tell you what, let's take a break. We've got the trailer coming up. We'll be back after this. This year, spend the holidays with Peter's friends. From Kenneth Branagh, director and star of Henry V and Dead Again. What have you got in here, Waits? Yes. Comes an outrageous new comedy about catching up with best friends. Is there anyone else down there you used to sleep with? Discovering romance. I've never fallen in love. I've stepped in it a few times. And sharing intimate desires. Fill me with your little babies. Oh, my God. GQ calls it a wickedly funny new you slept with Sarah. My dear, the Archbishop of Canterbury slept with Sarah. Kenneth Branagh can do anything. I rest my case. Emma Thompson is dazzling. Rita Rudner is hilarious. I can feel the cellulite building up on me on the plane. I turned Andrew back into an alcoholic. <laughs> Maggie into an erotomaniac. <laughs> Sarah into a nun. You make Mother Teresa look like a hooker. <laughs> it's a film, Andrew, it's a film! Peter's Friends, released in the UK 13th of November 1992, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Starring Kenneth Branagh, Hugh Laurie, Stephen Fry, Alfonsia Emmanuel, Emma Thompson, Imelda Stoughton, Richard Bryars is in there, Felidia Law, Rita Rudner, and a few other names that I don't recognise, but 
doesn't really matter because that's a hefty cast list to start with. Stephen, it was your choice. Thank you for finding a New Year's movie. Could you give us... Thank you, Stephen. Yes. Could you give us the synopsis, please, mate? Certainly. Um, former friends from university reunite after a decade to sing, sup, and see in the new year at the country pile of Peter. Relationships rupture, romance is rejected, bereavement is bonked, and a secret is shared. That's another one of your synopsis, isn't it? It is, yeah. The alliteration gives it away every time, doesn't it? <laughs> Can I turn to Tony first? As we just said, Tony, this is a movie that is older than you, surprisingly. First time watch, I believe. You've only watched yes. it literally in the last hour. As usual. Yes. <laughs> you, you sound like a bad thing. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how sort of like criticising or commenting on a movie, sort of you, you, your opinion changes if you haven't been given that time to dwell on it. You, you, yours is instant reaction. This is why I like it because Stephen and I have seen the movie before and have gone back to it for me personally for the first time since it came out. But for you... Literally before turning the microphones off, you just turned the DVD player off. It was that sort of time scale we're talking here. There's about 15 minutes in it, yeah. <laughs> so you knew who was in it. You was expecting, you know, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, those sort of guys. I just want to get your initial reaction, mate. What did you think? Loved it. Okay, we know where we're going with this because I'm pretty sure Stephen's a bit of a fan. So, yeah, this is about the third maybe fourth time I've watched it mm-hmm. uh, as yourself I watched it uh, quite soon after it came out before Tony was born and um, oh. <laughs> I, to be honest I think this most recent watch was probably the most enjoyable for me because I think I appreciated it more on the level of um, when you're older and um, you know, you expect to, as you get older, have your life more sorted. And when you find out it's just a different type of screw up to what you youth. Um, <laughs> and as they say, you know, grown ups are uh, just uh, young people with money. Um, yeah. Although I don't have their money. Um, <laughs> but um, so, uh, yeah, it's something I, I, you know, I do appreciate. And I think that it's um, it's a witty film, not like, you know, not necessarily the ballet laughs that are. A lot of comedy, but it's witty, and um, certainly the cast is one that, like you've said, is one to uh, appreciate. There's some prestigious talent in there. Oh, blimey, most of them have gone on to massive Hollywood careers, or international careers, certainly. Hugh Laurie is probably one of the biggest names there, because of his, you know, because of House and, you know, the success he's had on American TV. Stephen Fry and Emma Thompson... Well, Oscar-winning Emma Thompson, national yeah. treasure, as we have dubbed her anyway already. You know, it's, it's just like looking back to 1992, seeing somebody like Tony Slattery, who was massive, who was, it was you know, deserved to be part of this group in 1992, has all but virtually disappeared off the radar now. So He's not done a lot, a lot recently, and um, he was part of the, the original troop of people that actually were at university together including Emma Thompson and Stephen Fry and, and mm. stuff he was he was part of that as you say Alfonsia uh, whatever her surname is yeah, has well, disappeared yeah. into obscurity sadly yes, but yeah. C- for you say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly um, we've got the situation that you know Imelda Staunton has, has gone on to become you know one of the the 
more respected actresses. Oh, big and, um, West End star. You know, she's done a lot mm-hmm. of musicals and stuff recently as well. And, 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 and um, Mike Lee stuff as well, wasn't she? Yeah, going from Mike Lee stuff through to appearing in Harry Potter's and yeah. and all sorts. So yeah. she's um, she's gone on to have an incredible career as well. So it's, it's good to see like an early point in some of these guys' careers. I mean, Kenneth Branagh, you know, the Marvel movies, he directed Thor. Oh, so like big, oh, see, I don't watch that sort no, of stuff. No, I know so you don't. Know but, you know, but that's the sort of level we're talking about that these guys are are at now compared to 1992. Let's just go back to Tony because obviously Stephen's more than familiar with the film and he's a massive great fan. Tony said he loved it. What was it, mate? What what tickled your fancy with this? It, it just all worked, didn't it? All of them together. I think Hugh Laurie was at his best there um, when he started going on being American and that. I, it sort of went down in all for me. Oh, right. um, okay. So you like early Hugh Laurie then? You're not a big fan of him now too much? No, not now. Not now. Not where he's become. I think he's a bit of a sellout to Britain. Um, <laughs> okay. Harsh on own Hugh. I'm sorry, mate, if you're listening. But that's how it is. <laughs> Respect um, your roots, mate. Is that what you're telling him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a fan of Blackadder and things like that yeah. anyway. So it was very sort of. It's sort of blackaddery for me. I like um, Stephen Fry and all that stuff. Um, well, particularly since there was the uh, frequent ah, <laughs> yeah, mentioned <laughs> 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 Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it just all worked really well. So you like the yeah. pace of it? You didn't find it too slow, a bit too dramatic. It was. I know it wasn't a knockabout comedy from start to finish. It was. It was one of those intelligent comedies, wasn't it? That I think the script was superb and it just made it funny obviously but it wasn't relying on visual gags or anything like that at all this movie i'm actually quite glad that it wasn't like that to be mm-hmm. honest I, I didn't want it to be once it started um it, it started a bit like rainbow valley to be fair didn't it with the montage of 1982 <laughs> and all the headlines and stuff obviously you've got to listen to rainbow valley it's uh, the sister podcast well, um well, well, i don't know that's a quality then you mean sorry <laughs> Started with a quality review of history. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I, I like you two yeah, more. The you flashback know wasn't too long. So you, you get the idea, obviously. Yeah, because it's set back in their um, university days, isn't it? And it's it's the end of their university days, and they're putting on a a show for is it Stephen Fry's father, isn't it? Yeah, and Richard Bryce, yeah, and all these friends, Richard Bryce, who I remembered being in this a lot more. Yes. Um, the briefest of appearances. Yeah, and, and even briefer is um, the appearance of um, the, the lady playing Stephen Fry's mother and the wife of Richard Bryars, which was actually Richard Bryars' real wife. Oh, what was it? I didn't notice that. No, well. No. You heard it so, here first. Yeah. I, I remember Richard Bryars been in this more. For some reason, I thought there was actually a, another scene of him dying um, and Stephen Fry being with him when he died. Yeah. Um, before he moved on to the the next bit of inviting them all to the house, but that must have been something I'd just um, imagined. That it certainly isn't. A, it certainly isn't the scene there. in the film. Yeah, is there so. another cut? You know, Stephen. Then you've seen it three or four times, and and you are a big fan. What is it that appeals to you? Is it the fact that he's just one of those achingly British? gentle comedies it's a british version of the big chill almost is is it a bit unique is it something we don't see a lot of this type of movie i know we 
we've seen all these guys together in things like Jeeves and Worcester and Blackadder or whatever, but it's a bit of an ensemble piece, isn't it? It's bringing together the cream of the, the UK comedy talent at the time. And I don't know if we sort of do that anymore now. Yeah, I think it's it, it did bring together a num, you know this sort of clique of uh, performers, which frankly there's the crossover between these and the alternative comedy people of, of Rick Merrill and, and mm. Edmondson and, and Don French and stuff like that, that they already always had a bit of a interpolation, even though they were different uh, backgrounds. But this is very much the the sort of posher end of that um all collected together and it is witty in a very british way and uh, despite being written by by americans um <laughs> Rita and, Radner herself wasn't it yeah exactly yeah it does capture like tony said it, it captures a certain time anyway fair enough it's it is very very lovely in a number of ways which is it's kind of very apt because the, the first use of the of lovey was actually Stephen Fry, whoever used that. And you didn't realise he was the first one to use it. And it was only MF, MF, um, Emma Thompson telling him that, that he realised he was the first documented use of lovey. But it is very lovey, which kind of, that they're exactly the right people in real life that really that were doing that kind of footlights performance thing yes. that is shown in the opening scene. So they're playing, playing themselves in a way, but maybe extreme versions because of the, the way that the, their lives have, have turned out. Uh, and I think there's some, the, the performances along with the, the wit of the script and to some extent the pathos in it as well, um, where it's not just a knockabout comedy, there is actually um, some form of gentle addressing of an issue with regards to the ending, but also throughout it with regards to examining each person's life and, and the turn that it's taken and where they are, it's, those as, as character assessments um, and examinations, I think makes it interesting um, rather than just simply the, having a, a, a series of, of witticisms in a row. So that's what really appeals to me, I think, from it. That it's, it's, mm. it's got that combination of, of factors in. Um, but it is very much, for, for me and you, a, a thing of the, of the time seeing those actors oh, together who are all part of a group in really in a way. Just brought back a lot of memories of those early 90s because they were such familiar faces at the time. All right, they have gone on to become even more familiar, but acting together, you know, because Jeeves and Worcester was, you know, sort of massive in the late 80s, early 90s with Fry and Laurie together. Branner and Thompson were married at this point, weren't they? Mm. And... I think, um, you know, Kenneth Branagh had just recently before this directed, I think it was, what was the Shakespeare one he did? Was it Much Ado About Nothing, wasn't he? And Richard mm. Bryars was in that, along with Emma Thompson and some other people that, you know, have sort of linked to this movie. So to see that early 1992, it doesn't, 28 years ago, when you, when you say it like that, it just seems like forever. You know, but just going back, I just remembered that sort of era, that sort of comedy. You know, back then, things like um, Have I Got News For You was still quite early, even though it's still going on today. And it was these sort of guys that would appear on those sort of programmes. Um, mm. Whose line is it anyway? anyway? Yeah, that sort of thing. So for them to be given the chance to appear together in 
a big British movie. Again, we're talking, it's, it's not a film for production, but it's sort of, it, it's screaming film for production, although it's not. It's that sort of movie that film four would have made. It was good for me to go back and watch this 20, 28 years later. For those that don't know, I mean, the, the plot revolves around a New Year's Eve gathering of this seven or eight friends that were at university together. And they've all gone on to fairly successful careers. None of them have actually been a failure, employment-wise. Relationship-wise is a different story. And we get the introduction of an American character who is Kenneth Branagh's wife because he's become this big Hollywood producer slash director and this is his wife who appears in a fairly successful American sitcom. Tony, just talk us through it, mate. I mean, when it started, I mean... Stephen's going to groan at this at the, as soon as I mention it. The beginning bit, that underground song. Wow. So th- this is your first introduction to this movie. It's like you don't know anything about it. You've gone in blind as usual. <laughs> it starts off with, what, what, did, what was your first reaction to the underground song before it develops into the movie we, we're going to talk about? Oh, I don't know really what to think at this point. I'm thinking, oh, this ain't really going to be a bit of me. Yeah, right. Um, thought, yeah. And then, yeah, it very, very quickly changed. I mean, the underground song—it's just—it was a bit too theatrical for me, and <laughs> a bit, a bit too poncy, a bit too West End, you know, a bit too—it wasn't for me to start with. But it, it changed very, very quickly when it went into that montage of about '82 and mm. started going through things on season uh, Rainbow Valley, <laughs> um, sort of coming to my mind. Um, but then it settles down into because I thought, oh God, Tony's going to see that first five minutes, and instantly he's going to be a little bit, oh, what what are they making me watch this week, you know? Well, yeah, it settles down very quickly, doesn't it? And then you sort of get a grasp of what it's all about. Um, well, especially for me, like the first time, what if you've never seen it before, you, you'll understand. You need to watch it. Would it um, would it have been a different movie for you, mate, if the faces weren't so familiar? Was it an easier watch for you? Because Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie were in it, and Emma Thompson. Um, no, actually, it's a bit of a surprise um, because of what it covers. Okay. Um, I, I, I thought it was going to be a bit. It was funny, don't get me wrong, but I thought it was going to be like a full-on slapstick comedy, the, the sort of stuff they've been in before. Yeah. Um, but it's actually quite dark. You're very dark at one point. Yeah. It does get very dark. It gets very real. Mm-hmm. And for me, oh, I'm, not, I'm I'm only talking about less less than an hour ago. I watched this now, mm. but you sort of get halfway through the film and you sort of look back at. I look back at when I was at school, yeah. ten years ago, and to where I'm at now. And you're like, oh, actually, yeah, life is um, pretty shit now. <laughs> um, <laughs> how things have changed, you know. I, I, thankfully, a lot of the experiences that they've gone through, I've not had to experience, but I've been around it, and people have happened to. And mm-hmm. obviously, we've all had our own experiences that we never probably dreamed of when they was um, back in '82. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's um, so it's quite relevant to you because they're at this age that is very similar to your age now. Yeah. And they're sort of casting their minds back, you know, reminiscing over the ten years. Yeah, this is probably quite, quite relevant to you, mate, because of the, um, the age thing. But as I say, the experiences and the background that are completely different to what you're, 
aware of and what you're used to. I mean, you know, you you never went to university. You never had posh friends like that, mate, for God's sake. Uh, no, no, and I still don't now. Um, I'm still slumming it. Um, but yeah, maybe think With us, you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah, that. Yeah, that's exactly that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I, I know my level, and that's scum, and that's absolutely fine. I've <laughs> learned to live with that over the... I mean, six, when I was at 16, 10 years ago, I, I was expecting to be, like, brushing... Shoulders with the rich and famous now, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I live in Chatham, um, well, Covid Scott's, Central. Yeah, but Scott's fairly infamous. In, um, in, 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 notorious is probably the yeah. word I'm looking for. But is it for the right reasons? That's what we've got to ask ourselves <laughs> no, here. We don't talk no, about those. No, but we, no, we can't no. talk about it on air. No. There is a restraining order, I know, but... <laughs> We have to brush around that a bit quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose anyone that's sort of um, lived for a minimum of 20 years could look back 10 years and go, well, actually, I didn't see myself there. Yeah. And I think that's what's good about that film. Um, obviously, you can look back a, a long, long time, Scott. I'm not being nasty there or nothing. But, um, <laughs> that's my job making the age jokes <laughs> well look, the, the way I'm trying to remember it my experience of this movie is slightly different because 1992 when it came out I was 23 yeah so I'm just at that period that in this movie uh, it's, it's in between their university years and the 10 years later when they meet when I first saw this um, going back, watching it this time for the first time in, you know, 30 odd years, I quite enjoyed it more for the nostalgia point of view of seeing a young, skinny Stephen Fry, uh, Emma Thompson before she became the national treasure that she was and realizing just how, how big Kenneth Branagh and the Emma Thompson sort of thing was back in 92. You know, he was being billed at the time as the new Laurence Olivier. Do you remember this, Stephen? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and he was doing all he could to, to feed that with all the Shakespearean stuff he was doing. So that's exactly, exactly how yeah. he was billed and, um, and then, been... Sorry, Mike, but then we're going back as well. Looking at people that are in this movie, such as Tony Slattery and Rita Rudner, and realising that they were a product of that time. And... You know, it's been a bit harsher for those two, unless they've deliberately chosen not to be in the spotlight anymore. But, you know, for us to still see, talking about Stephen Fry and, and Hugh Laurie and all these guys now, 30 years later, because they are still quite prominent and relevant, it, it's quite amazing to see. that You forget how how long the careers, you know, these guys have had. Yeah, these people at this stage weren't cemented um, as far as uh, performers or artists or, or directors no. or whatever, they, they this was still in the early days when they were okay. They were they were known, but they weren't established in the way you know they've now, as you say, become part of the the framework of um, public consciousness. I mean, you know, most people would be aware of who Kenneth Branagh is or Stephen Fry or whatever. So, I mean, yes, less so Tony Slattery now, but um, certainly people of our age, you mentioned Tony Slattery, and, and it, you know, gets a wry smile because there were... <laughs> there was a running <laughs> joke, then, wasn't it, with him, that he was on he was on everything. Yeah, and that he'd turn up to the opening of an envelope. That's him. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's just go through this very briefly. I don't want to go through the entire plot or perhaps spoil the ending because the ending there is a revelation at the end. Yeah. But, again, back to you, Tony. Let's just say, for example, Kenneth Branagh's character. Let's just start with him, okay? So we've got this Hollywood producer slash director... What, what did you feel of that character? I mean, the, the thing that stands out for me is that with all of the characters here, although some of them can be quite annoying, some of them have got some very annoying habits or sort of character traits, the friendship between all of them is still incredibly strong, even though they haven't seen each other for so long. You know, did you did you pick up on that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, from the minute they sort of see each other again, it is quite clear. Um it's as if time hasn't gone by, hasn't it? In some they go straight back into what they were doing ten years previously, or how they would have reacted to each other. Yeah, it's like they've seen each other yesterday. Yeah, um, which was quite nice. But that character in particular, I loved him. I think he was great because it turns out he's a recovering alcoholic, and and as the story progresses, he soon falls off the wagon. So we get that that side of things. Okay. Yeah, and the fact that he's um, his little comments very witty. He comes out with the the sarcasm with everything he says. I, I love it. I will see him as me. You're talking about the woman I almost love. Yeah, and that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah brilliant, brilliant. Um, just little things like that just make it perfect for me. I loved it. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic actor. Is is Kenneth Branagh? Mm. I don't think playing a drunk is his strongest. <laughs> Um, no, performance really. no, though, really um, but but absolutely the way he, he you know did the rest of it and and you know the lines being delivered by them and, and him and the rest of them um, certainly was spot on. And as you said, the the way that they um, I think it might have helped by the fact that a number of them had already got connections, so that warmth towards each other. Uh, as you know, coming across as age-old friends slotting back into into the friendships, maybe helped. I mean, you know, we've said about the audio of the relationships there. With, you know, Kenneth Branagh and, and Emma Thompson being married at the time, and, mm-hmm. and actually, is Emma Thompson's mother been in there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, and and then obviously, you know, Fry and Laurie, uh, 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 you know, strongly connected and. Them all having been, you know, a number of them been at uni together. That, that, the kind of, it's a real life thing of them it's having believable, isn't that it? kind of friendship. Yeah. It's which makes it more believable, yeah. and there's less acting in that part than actual, you know, the actually being reality. Part of me wonders what, you know, where all the characters would be, you know, if all the people decided to get back together now to do a, a sequel, almost. Could you imagine that? To see what, what, you know, <laughs> where, where where the characters would be now um and that would be semi-interesting i think you know and particularly if they were helming it themselves and therefore did it did it to their taste and therefore it would be done right but certainly that that connection i mean there's a couple of people that i have that connection with that i you know don't see now you know anywhere near as much as i do when you know um when i was a a youth but Mm. it's slotting back in immediately when i see them as if as if i have seen them yesterday um but to have that in such a large group and then expressed on the screen in in such a um convincing way um is something worth seeing definitely I think it was a very very clever chemistry 
I think that's what makes the movie, isn't it? Because it is so believable, as Stephen says. Yeah, and I, I really hope they had a lot of fun making it. They probably did. Can you imagine it? Because they all knew each other. So, yeah, it probably wasn't working for them, was it? No. They, they, they wasn't at work. I think you're probably right there, that it, it would have been having a, a, a great bit of fun with their chums um, and it happened to be getting filmed, yeah. you know? Yeah. And why not? I mean, this is what we're doing now, effectively, <laughs> hanging out with our chums and it being recorded. Yeah, the the chemistry does just is very tellingly on screen and um, without it needing to be performed, um, which is why the risk of, the, of it perhaps being overperformed um, isn't isn't there. It actually is just believable, like yeah. Scott said. I think one of the the hardest hitting or the one relationship that I really sort of got invested in is the relationship between Hugh Laurie and Imelda Staunton. Now, Tony going into this movie blind obviously doesn't know what the whole connection is here. He knows they're married. He knows she's a very protective mother. You get that from the beginning. Yeah. When you get the revelation that they've lost the child, I mean, how? because it's not comedy all the way through, is it? There's some real hard-hitting punching the guts mm. drama here throughout this movie. I mean, how, how did you feel as that relationship was sort of revealed to you, Tony? Because, you know, you're thinking, well, they're a funny couple. You know, why is she so protective? Why is he a bit distant? You, and did you only get that when Tony Slattery's character found out about it, or did you guess, get it get it before then? Um, I knew something wasn't right when mm. they were talking to the nanny. And then obviously all the phone calls and the stopping everywhere for the phone boxes, which is another um, in the old Sierra. <laughs> what a lovely car. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I thought then something wasn't quite right. Maybe that the, the baby they had wasn't well, it was ill or something like that. I didn't realise she'd lost a baby at the time. But yeah, the, the, the bit where Tony Slattery brings it up mm. about the twins in their adverts and stuff. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, you felt, I felt awkward. I don't know, it's just a film, but you're just like, oh, yeah, I've been in situations, obviously not yeah. like that, but it's just so awkward. What do you do? Yeah. Where do you put yourself? And I bet it's just like Stephen Fry at some point, it's just look at him and like, why have I done this? <laughs> Eva says, then, I've managed to wreck everyone's relationship by having this meeting. Like, what <laughs> is going on? Well, Stephen um, Fry, as we discover, has got an ulterior motive as well as. Stephen Fry's planning to sell the house, get everybody together. We get this massive revelation, don't we, towards the end, which we're not going to reveal, um, which just sort of like brings everything into perspective and the whole relationship thing of all the characters are, are just, you know, meaningless, all the problems when we've realised what's actually been going on throughout this movie. Do you know the relationship I liked, and it's very subtle? It's the relationship between the housekeeper and Stephen Fry. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's probably the most hard-hitting bit at the end is when they cuddled one another. Mm. It's, you don't realise how close they are because she, as she said, I've, I've seen you grow up. She has been as much of a mother to him as his, his real mother probably was. And there is genuine warmth and affection there, isn't there, from her, or from both parts. Because obviously she knows what this whole thing is all about, this whole reason for everybody getting together. And well, she well she does she. It's a revelation to her as well, though, because she she. There's a part at the end when she actually 
says what you know why didn't you tell me yeah but i'm oh, sorry but she she well, knows she, that this is going to be the last gathering because she's oh she knows about the last hurrah because of the house being sold and all that yeah, yeah absolutely, and she's yeah. going to be leaving her job after 30 40 years whatever it may be but the, the big revelation she's she's certainly not aware of and again that's another bloody great part of this movie but that relationship i think between those two all right that you know we 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 got some great sort of double acts going on here, the relationship between Tony Slattery and Alfonso Emmanuel. And, but that one, I think, was the most genuine, I think, the, the relationship. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. It does create um, a maturity of relationship where the rest of it is, is sort of contemporary people breaking down between themselves, whereas that actually has that longevity uh, maturity of, of relationship and, and sort of shows a time span um, at which you know the, your rock that's been there throughout your entire life that is mm. the, the end of an era which is very poignant Yeah, I could certainly say to anyone that's going to watch this this film will absolutely kick you around the room I think it, it goes from comedy to real tragedy to you know you don't know where your emotions are going at one point in this no, 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 it literally covers absolutely every... Well, would have been taboo issues back then, wouldn't it? They, they wouldn't have been spoke about a lot back in the early 90s. Certainly one aspect of this movie would have been fairly new to the cinema-going audience. And that was a, a, a definitely a, a normalising um, attempt, mm. but it wasn't done in a preachy way, and it wasn't... No. Because it was... a. a, a a drop in at the end rather than it being something Overhanging. that was hammered home yeah. throughout the entire film. It, it, it makes it uh, sensitively done. Yeah. The, the bashing around the room that you get is, is, is to do with all, all the other things going on, the relationships um, rather than that issue. Yeah. As I say, we're not going to dwell too much on the, the end because no. if I haven't seen it. I mean, Tony, I mean, was it, was it a shock to you? What was revealed at the end? Yeah. Okay. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah we don't normally talk about this when we do reviews of movies so much but the soundtrack's quite significant in this as well guys isn't it Do you notice it was all 80s music they chose music from the period that they were growing up in and they went to great soundtrack together. yeah if you're a fan of 80s music it's got everybody in it for you isn't it you know there's a bit of Bruce Springsteen bit of Tears for Fears Queen, you're my best friend, is quite prominent in this as well. So that was great to see, rather than use an orchestral score, they were using the, the music that would have been part of their life as, as students growing up. Which was a newer thing. I mean, I know it had been done for a couple of decades in, in certain films, but it, was, it wasn't really the, the norm. Mm. Um, and again, I think it's why this... This sort of set a precedent that I think was then taken and diluted and run away with for things like Forward and the Funeral and and, and the rest of those ilk of, of films where the, the contemporary score as well as the casting and, and all that kind of stuff and settling on a, on a certain class of society as well. And, and this was probably a, a progenitor of, of, of that kind of thing. But using the, the score in the way that they did, it was contemporary music. Um, of their lives, I think brought it into context that it was a it was about their lives and the um, the time frame that they'd passed through. Because if it had been more orchestral, I think it would have 
it would have moved it away from that setting mm-hmm. a bit, um, which would have lost something because it, it's it's very key that it's about a time of life piece. Yeah, yeah, I think it just helped evoke those memories of when they were growing up. It just gives you that, especially when I watched it back in the nineties. I'm just trying to remember when I watched it first time round. The soundtrack was 10 years old. You know, the music that was being played to us now, it's 40 years old. So perhaps you don't pick up the significance of it if you're watching this now with fresh eyes. But yeah, I just thought that was a great touch to have things like, you know, Queen and Bruce Springsteen playing in the background rather than an orchestral score. Stephen, have you got your keys to the Hall of Fame handy? Because I've got a worrying feeling there's not going to be many people waiting. I've got my keys, yeah. Yeah, have a brief review. <laughs> it's the whole thing. Let's take a look at it. Okay, Stephen. All of fame for this week, I think. Just looking down this list, there's possibly only one or two people that may be popping their heads in. Well, there's actually no new entries, um, unless you're counting Kenneth Banner for directing and starring in this at the same time. There's been two. Um, He um, he and Stephen Fry have both previously appeared on the podcast, but only once, which was in Chariots of Fire. Of course, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, so we have that, and then also making a second appearance um, is Emma Thompson, yeah, who was previously um, in Howard's End. But other than that, um, there aren't any other repeat appearances from from anybody, which is surprising because I thought Fred Law might, might have been in yeah. or, or Richard Briers, but uh, we don't seem to have covered any of their films yet. And Imelda Staunton, we haven't hit its stride with the Mike Lee films yeah. for her to actually appear, appear yet either. So. Um, at the moment, no new entries from this, and I think this is perhaps I can't remember the last time we had a, a, a you know <laughs> film where we didn't have a, a, a new entry, um, yeah, at least one. Yeah, but so. it's probably the quietest week for the Hall of Fame ever, isn't it, in the history of the podcast? That must be. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, considering some of the, the more recent weeks that we've had, um, the, where there was some avalanches, yeah. uh, maybe it's, it's, it's useful. To have a bit of a breathing space on that, so we can complete the extension um, <laughs> on the hull and uh, provide some more room. <laughs> Squeeze the rest of them in that are, that are going to be waiting to come in as we carry on. With well, especially the carry-ons, yeah. The carry-ons and the kitchen sink stuff coming up. We're going to see a lot of people squeezing their way into the Village Hall of Fame over the next few months. Whoa. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> in, in summary, Tony, first time watch, you said you loved it. Just... Just round this off by saying why why you liked it. Any particular favourite characters? Any particular favourite part of the movie? What what was it that really hit it for you, mate? I liked it because it just all gelled so well, mm-hmm. and they wasn't afraid to really go to town with some of the um, with some of the issues that he come up with. And I think that's why I like it. I don't think I had a, a favourite character. I don't think I had a least favourite character. I think I liked them all equally in oh, this. Good. Okay, yeah. They all had a part. They all had a story. They all had something go tits up in their life. <laughs> True. Um, it, it didn't focus on one person, but it also didn't. It wasn't rammed down your throat 
the the whole movie was it? It was they sort of flitted between the characters. Everyone had their fair share. Yeah, and that's what I think I liked about the movie. All in all, you hit a good but, point there, actually, mate. Because even the outsiders to the group, like Rita Rudner and Tony Slattery, we get a very good insight into their stories as well. It's not just the friends, is it? No. Did you notice no. that, Stephen? Is that you know, the, absolutely? Yeah, I mean, I completely concur with what Johnny's just said there about the fact that you, you get an even spread with regards to the different people and their relationship and and life troubles, and it even does extend to the to the newbies into the uh, the mix who get their fair share of, of attention on their their life screwing up. Yeah. Um, and I think that that evenness does make it work because if it was, if it was just concentrated on one one or two key, key characters and the the others were just periphery, I, I don't feel the film would have worked as well. So I think Tony's exactly right in his assessment of of how the characters are each given their fair share, um, and and the, there's a fair share also balance wise that you pointed out before. With regards to the the wit and the humour, but also the the more sombre bits of pathos and and issues um, that were uh, looked at, that all, it all just is a, a well balanced. Even though the the characters themselves aren't particularly well balanced, the the film is a is an incredibly well balanced and finely tuned film, which does belie maybe the initial impression of it being slapstick that that Tony was expecting, and it actually turns out to be something that's a lot more finely crafted. So, um, absolutely agree that that of what you said there. Absolutely, I can't think of a reason why I haven't gone back to this in the last thirty years. I'm, I remember enjoying it, watching it back in ninety two, ninety three. But it's something that obviously Stephen, you've gone back to three or four times, as you say. I'm, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I've gone back and seen this. I don't think it's one that I'll revisit too often. I don't. I, I'm not going to say it's aged badly, but it certainly screams of nineteen ninety two. As Tony said, the fashions, the, just seeing those people that we don't see so much now, like Tony Slattery in the background or whatever, but it, it just, it just very of its time. It is really watchable. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to get myself out of a hole. I'm slightly digging myself here. I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's one I'm going to go back to. That's, that's all I can say is that I will probably watch this again in ten years' time and laugh again. And I think, I think it's one of those that's better not being too familiar with not being one that you watch every year so mm. it's one that is better to watch sparingly yeah um to get the the wit and 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 having forgotten some of the nuances of the the, the lives and in, yes I, I agree though that it is it does very much scream of the time um but it's of not, the year it, it, but it's intended to capture yeah that time frame and that's so that's why it works that's that's why that's not a criticism that's an observation Tony, you like to give a, a little bit of a um, star rating at the end of your review. What are you going to give this out of your five, mate? I'd give it a five. That has really surprised me. Yeah, I, I straight know, him as a five. <laughs> I know right from the from the outset you said you enjoyed it, but even then, I just I just thought this just just wouldn't hit a couple of the couple of the buttons for you, but it obviously has. This is one you've really loved. Yeah. Yeah, and I would, I'm going to go back and watch this again without oh. so much of a rush, probably over the weekend as that, it goes. I'll is, have it on again. 
That has uh, surprised me, mate. Stephen, I mean, you don't give star ratings, but as, no. as a summary for how people should view this and what they should be looking out for, mate. Well, like you, I'm, I'm surprised, but pleasantly surprised yeah. at Tony's reaction to it because we, we know Tony has a, 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 a particular types of British films that he's got more inclination towards than others. And I know he's trying to, by you know, by doing this podcast, he's trying to widen that field out. And this isn't, you know, a war film or, or a, a British sitcom turned into a film and, and a few other things like that, which are carry-ons or whatever. And I'm really happy that he, he has got so much out of this um, and that he's enjoyed it so much. For me, it is one I would suggest that people not maybe rush out to see, but do make an effort to see at some point um, in their lives. Mm-hmm. Maybe this time of year, particularly, you know, that you've got the ending of, of a year, so that there is a certain amount of retrospectiveness in a way that helps um, the film feel right to watch. Um, so, yes, I'd recommend people hunt it out. It doesn't necessarily need to be seen on the big screen, but I'd, I'd recommend, you know, having a see if it's on the streaming service of your choice. Settle in with your beverage of... of, of preference and um and and let it wash over you this just, film just don't go all kenneth branner after drinking because no. <laughs> <laughs> that's when problems start uh, <laughs> or even stephen fry oh, oh dear stop there stop there <laughs> <laughs> that has been peter's friends that's that's a great choice Stephen. i think we're going to struggle for any further new year's movies so We'll keep an eye out for something for next year. We may do something completely different. We may find. We'll just keep replying this one. Keep replying <laughs> this one. I'm, I'm sure, and I'm, I've, I've just remembered, and I don't want to go down that road. I think Bridget Jones might feature a Christmas type New Year thing as well. <sighs> there is a New Year Why? thing. There is. There is definitely. Anyway, don't don't email in <laughs> anyone and suggest Bridget Jones. Do not contact us regarding Bridget Jones at all. Oh, that's. I don't think it qualifies as a British film. So. Oh, okay. Then. You will be banned from the show listening to it if you do write in. Let's take a break. I've got to have a little think about what we're going to be watching next time. We'll see you after this. Stephen, it's Tony. We've just been having a little chat off air about what's coming up because this episode is going out hopefully New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. But we've got a bit of a backlog of stuff that we've recorded over the last few months. So the one I'm going to announce now is our next one, hopefully, that all three of us will be together for. I'm trying to think, oh, what have we got coming up? Let's try and choose a genre that, you know, we haven't covered for a little while. So let's go back to the good old classic British war movie. We're going back to 1953, starring the great Jack Hawkins, with Donald Sindon, Denham Elliott, Stanley Baker's in this, a real Britannia favourite, Virginia McKenna, Moira Lister. It was produced by Barry Norman's father, Leslie Norman, directed by Charles Friend. 
It's the British war film, 1953, The Cruel Sea. Oh. Mm. Have you both seen it? I have once before, yes. I want to say I have, yeah. It's, it's ringing a bell. Yeah, it's the one about the U-boats and, you know, it's just all seen from the British viewpoint of the naval officers. It's your proper British stiff upper lip. You know, Jack Hawkins and Stanley Baker, fantastic, you know. Let's let's do that one in the new year when we meet up again, guys. That's it for the Real Britannia for 2020. It has been the most bizarre year, chaps. I think we'll agree. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. We don't mention this year ever again. <laughs> but at the same time, we've still all kept in contact. We've, we've knocked out 30-plus episodes this year. It's been an absolute joy talking to you week in week out guys you know it's, it's the highlight of my week because I'm that sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you see normally I'd say you should get out more but you can't can't you at the moment so, so I'm reduced to talking to you two week <laughs> yeah, in week out so. <laughs> bowel, bowel scraping again yeah. <laughs> good to see more of you Tony you know it's, 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 it's been a couple of months where it's been very quiet but you're, you're back in with us now mate and, and you know I'm enjoying our conversations particularly when the three of us get together. Makes my job a little bit easier as well. So, plenty more of this to come in the new year, hopefully, yeah? Yeah, I should be around a bit more, yeah. Good, good. And that's it. All the guys that have listened over the past 12 months, everybody that's commented on Facebook and Twitter, sent in your suggestions. We've got some more listener suggestions coming up. In the new year, we've also got a bit of a Sean Connery tribute. We're going to continue with the kitchen sink drama. And the long-awaited Hammer season is going to start. We're making plans for that already. Yeah. Steve and Tony, Happy New Year, guys. I will see you... Happy New Year. See you very soon. Take care. Stay safe, everybody. Take care. Good luck. Thank you.
the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.